This podcast is a part of the Dragon Suplex Podcast Network. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and visit us at chopskicksandnearfalls.com for daily articles about wrestling from around the globe. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Victory Through Guts, Episode 9, The Year and Climax. I am your host, Dylan Murray. Alongside me is the great and powerful Alex Richards. Introduce yourself. Hi, uh, I'm Alex, and I'm, I'm ready to talk about some 1990 Joshi. Yes, we're we're doing a double block today. We're doing a double block. We're doing this and um, Stardom Quest. We'll do that later. Um, Stardom Quest will probably come out first, so if you want to go check that out, it's probably out yesterday. Um, yeah, so so today is our last show of the year for Victory Through Guts. I mean, we, we made it. I mean, it's only nine episodes we started in, what, like May, um, before everything died. Um <laughs> and yeah, it's we, we made it to the end of the year. Um we're gonna make it into nineteen ninety one. Um if we make it to twenty twenty one, of course. And yeah, it's been a pretty solid year, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's it's one of them that it really goes under the radar for a lot of kind of fans, but it, it's a great year. A lot of wrestlers that are big names had really good years. Um, you know, people like Aja and Manami Toyota, they had like very strong developments this year. Akira Hokuto is is a very different performer, but she's still kicking ass. And like Bull Nakano is just at the peak of her powers. Like it's such an interesting and fun year to watch. Of course, of course. And today we have three matches. I know that last time I said we had one. Um, I am just dumb and I don't check the AJW Classics episodes before um we record and before I say stupid shit. Um, we have three ep- three matches from episode. 43 of AJW Classics. Um, all three of them actually tie into the fallout of WrestleMania Piad of the main event. As you know, if you listened to us last time, go check it out if you haven't. Uh, at, after the, the main event cage match, a bunch of motherfuckers came into the ring and started challenging each other. Um, and basically, and also Yamada came out of retirement, apparently. Like, she's like, yeah, me and me and Toyota, we're, we're homies. We're going we're gonna to be a tag team now. I'm coming out of retirement. It's dope. Um, so, so all three of our matches today have something to do with that. Um, I know Alex, you said that the Kyoko versus Bull match, you thought that happened before, um, Russell and Piat. Uh, do you have any more information on that? Um, yeah, so I thought it happened before because like, uh, as we'll talk about afterwards, like after the match, it looks like Bull is like, Hey, do you want to join, uh, Gokumon Toe? No, is that? Yeah, it's Gokumon Toe, right? So it looked like after the match that she's like, oh yeah, do you want to join Gokumonto? Like, you're pretty good. And so I just assumed that this match had happened before the cage match, and that's why Kyoko was with Bull. But it turns out that it happened after, so I was just, I was incorrect there. Kyoko must have just joined on a show that never aired. Yeah, that's that's the best I got, but we'll, we'll get to that um briefly. Uh, first, we have... The return of Toshiya Yamada alongside Minami Toyota, taking on Itsuko Mita and Mima Shimoda. Uh, Yamada's back, and me and Alex, big fans of Yamada, especially of the work that she does later on. Um, one of the best. I think that she's one of the most, like, un- she's unappreciated in the terms of the classic Joshi um, realm. I feel like everybody knows about basically everybody else in this match, for one, or, you know, everybody knows about the Bonacanos, the Ajakongs, but I think Toshiya Yamada... Um, alongside Yumika Hoda, two of the best strikers in professional wrestling history. Um, I, I, I think that they're absolutely amazing. Um, Hoda isn't on the show, unfortunately, 
Uh, but we have this pretty decent match to start things off. Um, LCO comes out rocking jean jackets because they're badasses. Um, and also, this this is also pretty important because uh, this is a meeting of tag teams in a way. Um, Toshiya Mata and Atsuko Mita obviously were Dream Orca, and Toyota and Shimoda were Tokyo Sweethearts. So on top of them already being tag teams together, um, they also were tag teams across from each other. It's I'm probably explaining this wrong, but it's it's a pretty interesting. It's a tag teamception, if you will. Um, Alex, how did you feel about this match to start things off? Um, it it I was disappointed that we didn't see a lot of it, but uh, like what we did get, it was it was quite one sided, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it it really showed that. Um, for one thing, I think the one thing I noticed the most was that Yamada was ready to come back. Uh, and the crowd was ready for her to be back. Um, the crowd was going crazy for Yamada, and Yamada, like she was just, she was just, she just looked so excited to wrestle. Um, she was wearing probably my favorite gear of hers, the the white, black, and red. Um, and she was just like, she got in there and she was just hyped. She was just going at it. Uh, yeah, Yamada and Toyota obviously go on to one of the best tag teams. You know, the early '90s of Joshi wrestling, and they, you know main event countless shows and they're 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 a big fucking deal later on but this is one of their first times teaming after all um, you know WrestleMania Piad they sort of said hey I want to if if you listen you know go back and listen you should you should you should get get a clue get, get with the program go plug yeah. <laughs> yeah come on um yeah th- this match wasn't there wasn't a lot to it um it was very fundamental i feel like lco in these early days really showed how good they are at just like doing the basics um because obviously they go on to be some of the like most badass like murderous wrestlers in joshi wrestling and all of wrestling um but here they're just you know they're, they're doing the basics obviously Yamada's coming back so she's you know not doing incredible things she's not going insane uh toyota was pretty tame throughout this match too but it was it was a pretty solid match nothing nothing bad for me to say about it i don't know if you have any like critique about this one um i feel like all i can critique is like they really jobbed out there at uh, the AJW tag champions because like lco just won oh, those oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> they I just forgot. got destroyed here <laughs> i forgot that they're like champions yeah that's yeah that's tough um yeah you know it'd be like that though you know it, it you, you got to put over the person who's who's returning, but sorry sucks they had to be against the, you know, new tag team champions as of less than a month ago. But, you know, it'd be like that. Uh Toyota gets the win with a overhook butterfly suplex. Um I I I've never seen the move like because obviously a butterfly suplex is, you know, the, the double arm DDT and then suplex. Pretty pretty self explanatory. But she she got it in like a dub like a she went over the arms and she got a butterfly in and then she plexed her and it looked really good, but also kind of weird. I don't know if like, I don't know how you feel about this move. I love weird moves like that. I feel like there's like a million move variations that have been done like twice and can be done more. And I feel like the overhook variety, um, I know Hiromu Takahashi used to do a overhook power driver. Um, I feel like that's that's something that isn't really touched on a lot. So it was interesting to see it here, even though it wasn't very clean. Um, I, I thought it looked cool. What do you say? It was a good move, but the way they land, like the shoulders don't look like they're on the mat. 
you know, like I'm like I'm pretty yeah. sure her whole head was off the ground, <laughs> but the referee counted it anyway. Yeah, I that that's that's what I mean. Where it was like it was like it wasn't a clean like you know bump, and it like just like it looked awkward. Like it didn't it didn't look like she hurt herself. It didn't look like anybody got hurt, but it just looked like sort of awkward. It didn't like land perfectly. Um, but I thought it looked cool enough. You know, I'm I'm always down to see a a cool little you know uh, like not seen move. Um, I'm always down for that type of stuff. Uh, yeah, they're um, all four of them shake hands, get get all excited, you know, like they're they're all homies afterwards, because you know, like I said, they're all tag teams together. Um, and yeah, it's nice to see Yamada back. Uh, obviously, this wasn't the best of her abilities because she just came back from a you know career threatening injury, but it's it's always nice to see her. Um, she will be a major player going on in the next few years. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Uh, I think we could jump right into Kyoko Noe versus Bonacano, what you say? Yeah, let's do it. I can get my hot takes out there. Oh, boy. Okay, so um, th- this match, I-, I really enjoyed this match to, to start things off. Um, I really enjoyed it. I felt like it was very, uh, it was a very prototype type match for a match between two it's it's gonna sound very specific for it to be a prototype, but for two you know faction members or two teammates, whatever, one of them being a super dominant wrestler and one of them being like a um, up and coming power wrestler, I think that they did very very well with what they're doing. Um, you know, I feel like they're it's it's one of one of the best like make the loser look strong type of type of matches. I think that they did a really good job. Uh, the match starts off seemingly sincere. Because Bolnakano is like, yeah, I'll shake your hand, and she doesn't shake hands. If you if you haven't heard me talk about the the Joshi wrestling cliche of the heels don't shake your hand, why do you even fucking try? Um, she did shake her hand. Um, they they shook hands, and then Kyoko uh, decks the shit out of her immediately. Um, and and yeah, Kyoko just started beating her up, and Bo obviously is Bull, but she she gave her a lot of offense, I would say. Um. I know you're waiting to get that get that hot take out. So if you if you want to go ahead, <laughs> okay. I feel like this is gonna sound like I hate both of them, but I think <laughs> they are each other's worst opponent. And I don't know if it's like a chemistry thing or what, but I just feel like Bull is so much better against anyone else, and so is Kyoko. I just don't think they ever gelled well when they wrestled because like Kyoko's whole thing is like she would wear Bull down. In these submissions and then bull would just murder her and it's like this is like i'm i don't buy that kyoko putting in uh, uh wrapping her legs around bull is, is hurting her at all like i'm just it doesn't look believable to me and i feel like they could have they should have had a great match together because kyoko could have just done her flying but she always seemed to rely on submissions instead it just never really vibed with me like i don't think they ever had matches together that as good as they should have been you know like this is easily to me weakest bull match we've seen in 1990 already you know damn that's a that's a harsh criticism i don't i don't think i agree with you on that i think this is pretty decent uh i think i think that's that... the thing decent and bull is like knocking it out of the park every other match but this was oh, like okay, yeah, yeah it was okay you know that is fair uh i don't know i think that I, I recognize your criticism, and it's very funny because I, I jotted down the points where it's like um, Kyoko would like have her in like submission holds, and she'd be like wearing her down. And she'd be like pretty dominant, and then at one point you would just see Bull's face, and she's sitting there, and she's like, "Okay, 
I'll wait until you like I'll I'll wait until you're finished to just beat your ass. Pulled an Evanese. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except it made sense because she's Bolnacano. <laughs> she's not a very small let's let's not get into that. Uh but yeah, uh she she was very much um she she it made Kyoko look like a monster, in my opinion. I think it, it made Kyoko look really good. I don't know if the match itself was uh on the level of either of their abilities, but I think that in the presentation and in what I took out of it, it did well in what it was trying to do, or what I think it was trying to do. Um, because you know, I feel like Kyoko Kyoko getting a lot of offense on bowl probably wasn't expected. Um, because she she's Kyoko Kimura and she's Bull Nakano. So it's like you court, you sort of expect Kyoko to just die. Um, so her her being able to go toe to toe with Bull Nakano, it's character wise very, very like a very huge like bump for her, in my opinion. Um, this is a, a little thing that I noticed. I don't know if you were too busy seething while watching it to notice this, <laughs> but there was one singular diehard Kyoko Kimura fan in the crowd. And the entire time she yelled, she yelled Kyoko for five minutes straight. And then after that, she just kept yelling it like sporadically. It was just like a really high pitched voice. When there, when the crowd would be silent, you just hear Kyoko, 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 like constantly over and over again for <laughs> the entire match. <laughs> it was absurd. I was like, I was like, oh, wow. Like, I thought it was like a little, like, group of, like, you know, like, I heard it at first. I was like, oh, there's probably, like, a group of, like, girls who like it. Then you realize it's just one person. Like, there's only one voice. And they're just doing it extremely loudly inside of Corican Hall. And I was just like, this is hilarious. This is great. I love this. I love how there's one fan who just will not shut up. Um, But, you know, she she doesn't have to shut up because she really likes Kyoko. And I, I respect that. Um, I feel like you've called her Kyoko Kimura twice already. Oh my god. <laughs> I have. Oh my god. I, I, when I said it the second time, I was like, I feel like I'm saying something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for correcting me. I probably wouldn't have stopped. Uh, Kyoko Inoue. <laughs> oh, I've been doing this for nine episodes, guys. I should be better at this. But I'm not, evidently. Uh, yeah, uh, Bull ended up powerbombing the shit out of her and then hitting a guillotine and then winning. Uh, man, I'm, I'm dumb. I'm real dumb. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was a fine match. Um, I, I thought that, you know, it did what it needed to do, in the words of my deadlock brethren. Sorry about that. Uh, Craig was being a bitch, our recording software. Um, we really need to find a new recording software, Alex. This is really bad. This happens every fucking time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, you can you can go back into what you were saying. I don't know how how long it cut off for, but basically we were just talking about how uh, Gokumon Toe is becoming a bit more face like, and you can you can pick up where you left off. Yeah. So like, like I don't think she was like one hundred percent baby face at any point, but like. This match solidified her spot as the good guy, kind of, because when she was throwing the nunchucks, the crowd booed, and she got she threw them out, and everybody was like, "Oh yeah, okay, we like that." So, you know, in the past, Bull would have been like, "Well, fuck you guys, I'm using the nunchucks anyway," but this time she was like, "No, I'm gonna do this on my own." Then, 
Um, I think it's it's obvious with the rise of like Aja and Bison into that main heel role. Like I definitely think Bull went more towards babyface. Like she was never like kissing babies and shaking hands kind of babyface, but she was very much now a good guy in that she wasn't going to cheat anymore. And I think this match really solidified that to me and that one spot especially solidified that. See, I took that spot as a she didn't want to do it to her teammate and to her partner, um, less than she doesn't want to do it in general. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it how it plays out because I'm obviously she 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 uses weapons more, but I, I get what you mean that it's like the more uh, the grayness of her character is definitely showing a lot more, and it's showing that she isn't just this bad guy. She's definitely more you know in the in the middle than anything where it's like you can it's the the roman reigns thing you can love her you can hate her she's not a good guy not a bad guy you know all that all that bullshit um i i think that that's really interesting i think that definitely helps her character because you know she's been a heel for years at this point you know her entire career um and if you if you listen to any interview with her she always wanted to be a baby fan obviously she never really got to be that you know like um that lovable, like, oh, like you said, that, that you know, pure baby face, so to speak. But she always wanted people to like her. She always wanted to be a popular, you know, like a beloved wrestler. And she would become a beloved wrestler. And uh, I think that her her being a little bit more gray towards being a bit like, you know, on the, on the good guy side, I think it's very good for her and her character. And we will see it play out a lot more in the coming years of her you know, transition into less of the, you know, the Gokumanto like, brutality, like, Jungle Jack basically took up those reins, as you said, um, which we will talk about very, very shortly. And I think Kyoko joining Gokumanto was also pretty dope. Um, I think it, it very much helped both of them, because Kyoko needed that push, that, that bump up, and I think that Bull needed a very reliable second-in-command. Maybe not second-in-command, but, you know, like a very reliable underling compared to, like, you know, Saki Asagawa is a bit newer. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I... I... Bat Yoshinaga? Yeah. Bat Yoshinaga, I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to punch myself. She'll punch you, though. <laughs> you don't have to punch yourself. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Uh, but yeah, but Bat Yoshinaga is obviously great, but she wasn't, you know, she wasn't going to be mm -hmm. the, the second command pro wrestling, you know, she, that wasn't her spot. Her spot was punching in, pe punching people in the face legitimately. And she was great at that spot, in my opinion, but that's, that's for another time. Um, she definitely needed a second command. And I think Kyoko really fit that role, uh, especially after Grizzly left. We let, we had, talked about it when Grizzly left that Kyoko taking her role was very difficult and was going to be very difficult because Grizzly was made for that role. She was, you know, basically born into um, the Atrocious Alliance with Bull, so it would have made sense for Grizzly to stay and be, you know, Bull's teammate. But I think Kyoko, I think Kyoko will make a, for a pretty decent tag team partner, uh, and I'm, I'm pretty excited to see it. Yeah, I mean, Kyoko gets over as hell as well. Like, it does so much for her. Like, this next year is probably, like, her best run outside of, like, 97 when she was, like, triple crown champion. But she is so over next year. It's insane. Yes, and I'm, I'm very excited for it because I, I, I love Kyoko Noe. 
personally. I know that you're a you're a Kyoko Noe denier. You're a big fan of the other. You say this about Saeeda too, and I'm like, I like both of them. Gee, <laughs> you make me sound like I hate them. Yeah, but you like the other Inoue better. Because oh, she is. She's better. <laughs> Takako is better in a way, okay? You know, I haven't watched enough Takako to be a dickhead about it. I don't know about that. It doesn't, uh, well, it doesn't sit you, right you with will, me. You will understand when you see her. You will, you will get it. I don't know about that. You will, you will eventually get it. I don't know about that. Uh, yeah, so the last match on, on, the, on the docket today is Marine Wolves versus Jungle Jack. 3WA tag team title match. Uh, three out of three or two out of three falls because that's how the three WA tag titles work. Uh, as soon as this match starts, Jungle Jack is on their bullshit. They are done. They want blood and they are murdering motherfuckers. Uh, Suzuka Minami gets busted open like fucked up immediately. Like I don't know. Obviously, me me and Alex talk about it all the fucking time, but blood in Joshi wrestling is insane. Like it, it just like it, it adds a fuel. I don't know if it added a lot of fuel to this match because I feel like afterwards, um, Minami just wasn't really in the match. It was mostly Hokuto until a bit later into the end where Minami and, and Aja had a bit of a you know back and forth. But I, I feel like her bleeding and the, the, the blood that she did get looked absolutely gruesome. Um, and it was just by Bull punching her and throwing stairs at her. Cause... I think she got bladed though. I think it was like secretly in the corner. She got bladed. That that would make I sense. Seeing Jason jabbing something at her head. Yeah, that that would make sense because it was it was fucking heavy. Like it was. Yeah. It was gushing. It was it was more than just Aja biting at it a little bit. Like there was definitely some some additive there. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure that Aja got shoot busted open a little bit. You couldn't really see it because her facial makeup is mm-hmm. a lot more. You know, profound at this point than it was a few months ago, um, but I think that she also did get busted open like for real, because um, there was just like a little blood at the top of her head. Uh, but that was a little bit later on. Um, yeah, Jungle Jack fucking dominated the first fall. They murdered the tag team champions. We were talking about earlier how um, they sort of buried their AJW tag t- champions. Um, this first fall made Marine Wolves look kind of like bitches, low key. Like they looked, they looked dead. Like I don't know. Like they just got killed. Um, anytime that they would try to get a little bit of offense in, they would get shut down immediately. And you know that that led to the first fall when, um, when I think it was Hokuto, she started getting a little bit of you know a little bit of momentum, a little bit, and then Aja just came in and it whacked her with the fucking bin. And then Bison um, hit a dragon suplex and got the pin. How how did you feel about the first fall when Jungle Jack just decided we're just gonna hurt you a lot and not let you do anything at all? Um, it, it was to be expected, but I also think we have to keep in mind that this match is heavily cut. Like we only saw maybe like nine or ten minutes of what was likely a twenty-minute tag match, and. Like, you can tell how unnatural the cut is. Like, they go from working over Nami to, to Hokuto and Bison Kimura being in the ring. I feel like they probably yeah. cut out a lot of the in-between action. So, the start was crazy. I think the cut to the first fall was very unnatural. And it was just kind of like, oh, okay. Uh, we're, that's the first pinfall, so. Yeah, that, that's also true. But the way, that, the way that we saw it on the Classics episode, Jungle Jack murdered them. And... You're right that the cut was very unnatural. I remember, like, 
because Minami got that got busted open, and you know they're working over Minami. Uh, Aja specifically is working over Minami, and then randomly just cut, and then it's Bison and and Akira just going at it. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I guess we're doing this now. Um, you know, I, I always assume with cuts that it's like, oh, it's like just a little bit of filler. But then you forget that it's like, oh, they probably like cut out like a big chunk of shit when you think about how long these matches actually were. Uh, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, after the first fall, uh, Bison and Aja just keep beating them up. They they go outside and they start, you know, uh, just throwing them into shit. You know, the, the classic the classic heel Joshi, uh, you know, things. They threw chairs at them. They did this, they did that. And then at some point, pretty soon after, again, when I when I use like words like soon or right after or whatever, cuts do happen. So I don't know like if this this could have been like fifteen minutes later and they just decided to like cut every I don't know. Like so, you know, hang with me here. It's just it's just what we're watching. Uh pretty soon after they create a little bit of separation, the Marine Wolves do, and Suzuki Minami hits a power bomb. Then she hits a aided suplex, and then Akira Hokuto hits the Northern Lights bomb on Bison Kimura to tie things up. Uh, it's it's pretty. I I really like how the Marine Wolves are able to just like, like I said in the first fall, they really looked like they were just getting their asses beat. But then the second that they turned it around, it looked like they were still insanely just strong and they were monsters. Obviously not monsters because they're facing Jungle Jack and Jungle Jack are the actual monsters here but they look extremely competent extremely strong after me just saying that they looked like shit in the first fall they are really good at just like turning shit around and you know momentum shifting that type of stuff uh second fall wasn't that long but it was a a good sequence into the into the northern lights bomb i really liked it uh then because of course they did jungle jack got back on offense and started beating the shit out of them again (laughs) because jungle jack does that shit all the time and it's dope uh how how did you feel about the last fall because it was pretty uh, like i said it, it is all cut up a little bit but i really liked the last fall i felt like it was very uh it just it the sequences went very very well together wouldn't you say yeah the the last fall was great like uh the the marine wolves really turned it on and went crazy like they were fighting back and then you had your typical closing stretch for a 3d way tag match which is always fun um, and I think both teams did really well down the stretch because obviously, like all four are very talented wrestlers. Um, but I I really liked like the very start of the fall where like Akira Hokuto was just beating the shit out of somebody with a chair, and I was like, yes, this is the violence that I crave in my wrestling. <laughs> yes, I Akira Hokuto like I feel like this was definitely a Jungle Jack match, and it was based on Jungle Jack more than it was on the Marine Wolves. But Akira Hokuto. She's one of those wrestlers that's like it doesn't matter if she is the focus of the match. Very, I think it's probably a class of '85 thing, because uh, I noticed that her and Hoda both feel this way. That it doesn't matter if she's like the focus of the match, if she's just one of the you know eight members of a of a fucking four on four match. She makes her shit look good, and she makes you remember what she does, even if she does things for two and a half minutes out of the twelve minute match. She, you remember what the fuck she did, uh, and I remember that she hit two spinning heel kicks on Aja Kong, and she fucked her shit up, bro. That was insane. Like, 
Oh my god, that was brutal. I they love were that. so they sounded so good as well. Like they just they just connected. Like they oh my god. Yeah, as his face got rocked, man. That was so good. It was beautiful. Kira Hokuto is good at what she does. Um, you know, obviously things break down, so it's like some other stuff happens, then Kong starts hitting hurricanes on on Akira Hokuto. Uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just that she is, you know, younger. But her her, her hurricanes only hit like four tenths of the time, maybe. <laughs> like she she always like yeah. swings and just like hits them in the arm a little bit, and they're like, "Ow!" I guess. And so she <laughs> like like I'm sure that like some of these times, because she very frequently at this point hits like a shit ton of hurricanes like over and over again i'm pretty sure that she doesn't want to have to hit that many like i'm sure she meant to hit like two but she had to hit four because she missed two <laughs> and she hit them in the arm or in the yeah. shoulder or she just completely whipped them and then but the two that she does hit she hits bro like she kills them with it it is insane maybe after those mma fights they told her to, to chill out with the hurricanes and she started missing a little bit uh, but yeah, I I I think the Hokuto and Kong point of the match is really really fun. Uh, Minami also afterwards uh, she gets tagged in, gets a little bit of a hot tag, and Aja throws her at the ropes and goes for the for the hurricane, and then Minami blocks it and just chops her in the throat, like just chops her directly in the throat, and I'm just like, you did not have to do that like you could have just chopped her you could have just hit her but she just <laughs> stiffed her in the throat and it was insane and i loved it because you know sadism and what 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 not um <laughs> yeah and then one of my favorite spots from marine wolves is the double missile drop kick where they both go to separate corners hit the same person and it looks dope um they did that on kong right before the finish uh Bison ends up breaking it up, and then Aja Kong gets a jackhammer, I guess you would call it. How do you call the finish? Because like it was like off the top rope, and it was like sort of like a you know jackhammer ish, but also not. It was like a power slam. How how would you say? Um, I I don't know to be honest. <laughs> Thank you for your very valuable input, Alex. <laughs> like, I just I just don't know what it's called. <laughs> you I you know, described it perfectly. <laughs> So yeah, it's like it's like a it's like a suplex body slam off the top rope type of gimmick. Um Bison has um Akira Hokuto occupied in the corner and Suzuka Minami gets pinned. Um and the way she gets pinned was really interesting. Obviously we talk about how these Joshi wrestlers who were trained maybe before like eighty seven, eighty six, um, probably like more eighty seven and onward, they they before that, they always keep their keep their, you know, their face. Um, where they always kick out at the three, right? Um, Suzuki Minami made it really, really interesting because she tried to bridge up, but um, she couldn't because Aja Kong is obviously a lot bigger than her. Um, so she bridged, but her shoulders stayed on the mat because Aja had pressure on her shoulders. Um, so she bridged up at two, but her shoulders were still on the mat. Um, referee counts to three, and after the three, her, her shoulders get off the mat. So I thought that was a really interesting way to do the, you know, the kick out at three, the like late kick out. Um, I'm a big fan of the late kick outs um, when it's anybody except for Hulk Hogan doing it. And yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty good finish. 
kind of sad Marine Wolves lost the belts because I think Marine Wolves really killed it this year. They they were great tag champions. Um, every match they had together was really, really good. I really enjoyed this match. Um, maybe not as much as some of their previous earlier in the year, which we'll talk about shortly, or at least I will. But I thought this was really, really a really good match. Yeah, I mean, from what we saw of it, it was a strong match. And I mean, obviously, the it being so heavily cut, uh, obviously hurts the the overall match but i think even just what we saw was really good and uh, you know the marine wolves are very talented obviously uh Aja and bison are really good together and always improving um and i think you know while there wasn't it wasn't like an exceptional tag match that i'll remember for months on end it was assuming it, like, it was the main event like it was a pretty good main event for corkin you know yeah, and it was also a really good way to end the year, in my opinion, because 1991, as everybody will see in our in our next uh, cover art, because we have cover arts for each year, or at least that's what we're planning. Um, 1991 is a big year for Bison Kimura um, and Jungle Jack in general. They hold they hold the belts, obviously. Bison Kimura, you know, she she gets a little bit of a push. She doesn't get anything too amazing, but she definitely does a lot in 1991 um as does Aja Kong not saying that she doesn't Aja Kong continues to grow as a wrestler and continues to improve because she's Aja Kong she didn't she didn't become one of the greatest of all time by not improving every year uh so 1991 ends up being a really big year for Jungle Jack so I think it's very appropriate that they end year on top um and that ladies and gentlemen is the end of our viewing coverage at least of 1990 uh, pretty solid year, as Alex was saying at the start. Um, we, we have a few awards, a few year-end awards, because, you know, we, we, we do that type of thing. We like we like praising people. Uh, to start off, well, let me let me read down the list of, of awards before I even start things off. We have Dark Horse MVP, which is somebody who we didn't necessarily expect to be as good as they were, or we didn't expect them to be, you know, one of our favorite things of the year, or however you want, you want to call it like that. Um We'll, we'll get to that, obviously. But after Dark Horse, we have the best singles match. We have the best tag match. We have the best overall match. And we have the overall MVP with one honorable mention. Um, this is throughout all of the shows we watch. So it doesn't matter if it's AJW, JWP, or FMW. We can pick anything. And I'm sure, I'm pretty sure me and Alex have the same answers for half of, well, three, four. We probably have a lot of the same answers. Uh... But do you want do you want to start things off with the dark horse? Um yeah, so so mine is uh, Manami Toyota actually, and it's not to say that like I know we're obviously our whole thing is that we we don't like Manami Toyota as much as people, but I think oh she was only what three years in at this stage, and yet she was one of the most over people on the roster who was having these really really great matches, you know, her peak in you know 94 95 but at this point in her career she had that high-flying daredevil style mixed with a really good psychology and i think you know so many of her matches were built around this idea of she knows if she doesn't go balls to the wall she's going to get absolutely creamed and that added a really cool dimension to a lot of her matches that i think if you only watch you know peak toyota and air quotes peak toyota you don't see that side of her because she really did lose that aspect to her as time went on she kind of just became a, you know, a very spot-heavy wrestler who just kind of did moves. But in this year, you know, she had the moves, she had the meaning behind them, she had storytelling, 
I think she's somebody who, you know, this year was just really good. I think this is one of the best years that I've ever seen of her because she has, she has a few good years. Obviously, like her peak stuff is hit or miss. And then, you know, when she kind of got older and went to Gaia, she was pretty great too. But I think this is definitely one of the best years that I've seen her have. Um, thanks to the fact that she she did have that understanding of psychology that she kind of lost as she went on. Yeah, I, I was not expecting to enjoy Minami Toyota as much as I did in 1990. Um, obviously, I I, th- I feel like we give her a bit of a hard time. Um, I think that you, you summed it up perfectly, though, is that it's like her peak years were kind of hit or miss with a lot of her matches and that's like some of them, like, you're not going to be not entertained by a by a Minami Toyota match nine times out of ten, but it's very possible that you're like, okay, this is a bit much. Um, and that's that's how I know that you feel a lot of the time. That's how I feel a lot of the time. But I feel like she definitely did do very, very well in 1990. She is not my Dark Horse pick. I went a little bit differently. Um, I went with Mitsuko Nishiwake because I really loved the, the first half of the year when she was around. Um, she was one of those wrestlers. I know most of the wrestlers, like before we started the podcast, she was one of the only wrestlers that I did not know anything about. I hadn't seen a match of hers before we started. And her first match with Bull, when she got murdered, um, I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Then her, her tag match with um, Hoda, I was like, oh, she's pretty good. And then every other match that I saw of hers, she always made me interested. I, I really loved Fire Jets, and she will be missed going forward. I think that if she continued, she could have been one of the, one of the stars of the show, but it wasn't meant to be. Uh, yeah, so that's that's my dark horse. Um, any comments? Um, yeah, no, I can understand why you'd pick her. Yeah, like, uh, I obviously, like, I've, I watched a lot of this before, so I knew Nishiwaki and I was a fan of her, but I can see why somebody going in blind, you'd come away, wow, she is, she is fantastic, because she really, she really was just incredible in this year. Yes, very, very much so. Um, your best tag match next? Um, yeah, it's, it's a very basic choice, but it's Marine Wolves versus Fire Jets. Oh, so we have all of the same answers. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Marine Wolves versus Fire Jets from May the 13th. Man, this match was great. I, I, I love the... Obviously, I talk about the class of 85 to the point where if I say anything that isn't the class of 85, y'all wonder why the fuck I'm talking. Uh, I, I talk about them constantly, and I love them. And this is this match is why they killed it in this match. Um, I feel like this is when I got really, really invested in VTG. Obviously, like I, you, you start you start a podcast, and it's like you're you have to be interested in whatever you're doing it on. And obviously, I was extremely interested. I love fucking classic Joshi wrestling, and I've always loved it. Well, not always, but I've I've loved it since we started this, and since before that. But this is this is the match that I was like, I want to see more of this like immediately i want to do the next episode next week this was probably the first match that made me feel like that on our timeline um i i still remember yumika hoda's um sell of the of the irish whip when she would just like stumble her she would run and she would stumble because akira hokuto had beat the shit out of her so much that she could barely even stand and she showed that when she was bouncing off the ropes she would like trip into the ropes and it was i just i just think that all four of them some of the best best wrestlers of this period and some of the best wrestlers of all time quite frankly um you know obviously suzuka minami and uh, mitsuka nishiwake uh probably second to 
Hoda and Akira Hokuto, who are genuinely probably in my like top six or seven of all time, like in general. But it was just an amazing, amazing match. I love the two out of three falls. I remember this was the first match. I was two out of three falls, and I was like, wait, I get more of this? This is dope. Like, I didn't know that we were going to get fucking two more falls. That's awesome. Um, I, I just love this match. I can't speak about it enough. Um, since I know that we both have the best singles match, um, we have the same one. You can talk at at ad, nause- ad nauseum. Oh, I will. About Don't you that. worry. <laughs> yeah, because cause, like, I, I love that match. And we'll, we'll get to best overall match in in just a few seconds but i i just love this match like this is like one of those matches that i've watched a few times and if you know me i'm not somebody who watches matches more than once unless it is something that i genuinely enjoy and something i genuinely care about and i just loved this tag match uh i implore any of you and all of you to go check out marine rules fire jets may 13th from ajw classic um or if you could find anywhere else i don't know i i think it was just a classics episode if i'm not wrong but you can talk about our best singles match because there's zero percent chance that it is different between um, the two of us because we've talked about it a million times so go uh, ahead. no my, mine is Azure kong versus medusa <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that that street fight you know that went crazy bro that went crazy for a minute shoot fight falls count anywhere yeah. much <laughs> Um, where there were drop downs for some reason, which I'm still upset about. <laughs> like, why, why do you, ha- why do you do a drop down and a shoot, whatever? Man. Um, Get out of here with that bullshit. Yeah, no, the the real the real <laughs> answer is obviously from from JWP. It's uh, Harley Saito versus Shinobu Kandori. Uh, this this mm-hmm. is exceptional professional wrestling in every way. Like this match, thirty years later, holds up. If this match happened. In 2020, people would be losing their absolute minds for it. Like it was, it was so stiff. There was so much aggression. There was such a great story told between the two of them, and you know, it it never, it never felt like it was too long. It never felt like too much. It was somehow just the perfect amount of everything. Like they were just beating the crap out of each other, and it never felt unrealistic. It never kind of got to the point where you're like, all right, this is a bit much. Like and the the way that they kind of all the story of Saito kind of kicking the crap out of Kandori and Kandori eventually just switched she flipped the switch and was like nah I'm just gonna kill you now like it's just so amazing like no matter what you want from wrestling this is a great match you know like obviously if you want just high spots this isn't for you but like you know if you want storytelling if you want physicality if you want aggression it's all here um, and you know, like Kandori is one of the best to ever lace up a pair of boots, and Harley Saito is one of the most underrated professional wrestlers ever. And they just delivered a fantastic match here. Like I, I can't tell you enough how much you just need to go and watch this. Like everybody should watch this. Like it is, oh my god! <laughs> like it's just the magnum opus of professional wrestling. Like there's so few matches that I could put on this level. Like it's just it's amazing in every way. I also really like the finish. Um, because I don't think there are a lot of draws that are more satisfying. Obviously, it ends up not being a draw because they restart the match and it goes crazy. But that's part of the reason why I love the finish. Um, but basically, it goes it goes to a draw, and there's not a lot of draws that feel as satisfying as that. Um, and not only that, but they but they restarted the match and went to an actual finish. Where it's like if they had just gone to a draw, I would have been fine with it. Like I remember watching it the first time, I was like. 
damn, that was good. And then they start like, there's a bunch of commotion. And they're like, no, we're doing this again. And then the crowd goes fucking crazy. And they just start going. It, oh my God. I love this man. man. Oh. Yeah, and that, oh, that draw is the point where this, because that draw is when Kandori goes, okay, fuck this. You know, because like when it ended in a draw, Kandori was like, no, I can't have this. And that's when he flips the switch yeah. and just decides to murder Saito. And that's what takes this match up another level. It's that moment when Kandori realizes, okay, you know, she, she can't hang with me. I'm going to put her away anyway. Yeah. And it's just amazing. That is an amazing story. Because it's like, that. yeah, that is really... Because it's like, I feel like a lot of the match, um, Kandori is sort of like, um, I can't think of the word. She's sort of like accepting that's like, okay, that yeah, Harley's going to, like, we're going to wrestle. It's like, okay, like, I'm a fucking judo Olympian, you know, go crazy. Um, and Harley starts actually beating her. It's amazing. It's great. One of my favorite stories. It's such a great story. Harley Saido will never not be amazing. And I want everybody to watch all of her matches because i feel like she doesn't get enough respect um one of those i feel like she was one of the innovators of the joshi high speed style um that i think azumi possesses nowadays where it's like um she's not like doing like the the super flying and the spotty type things but she is the hyper aggressive technician who goes goes really really fast in what she is doing um and i think that you know i love harley Saito. obviously i love azumi i feel like that's a parallel that I personally see. Um, it might be a little like misguided for whatever reason, just because I really like both of them. But that's that's how I see it. I think they are both amazing. Uh, we've talked about this match for I don't know how long. I just, man, this match is great. Deserves it. It really does. <laughs> I just got so happy talking about it. <laughs> okay, guys, this software is a fucking bitch. I'm sick of this bullshit. Uh, we are back once again. Uh, don't know where we cut off. But we were talking about how Akira Hokuto was our number two wrestler of the year, our honorable mention in our MVP category. Um, go ahead, Alex. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, she she was just an exceptional professional wrestler. Like, you know, people know her for as her dangerous queen. So now I can't speak. People know her for her run as the dangerous queen, obviously, in the, you know, the matches with Kandori, but she was always an excellent professional wrestler. Like she was always earmarked for big things and she's so over. She's so talented. Like whether it's a tag match or a singles match, she brings it. She's so intense. Like anything you could want in a wrestler you had in Akira Hokuto. I think you know, had she won the Grand Prix and had the, the match with Nakano in 1990, then I think she would have run away with wrestler of the year. But obviously that match happened in January instead because of her injury. So, you know, she earned second place like it was not it's not just her second and then a big gap like there's a battle for second place and she won it because she is she is excellent yeah um i ditto everything that you're saying because that's that's pretty much the same thought process i had um i almost put her as my dark horse because like you said everybody knows her for the dangerous queen when you think about Karokto, you think of you know the kabuki mask and extravagant get up and all of that great great things um so you don't really think about you know marine wolf uh akira okuto and i think that she is very underrated which is really weird to talk about one of the most beloved wrestlers of all time um i think that this era of Karokto is very underrated she doesn't get enough love um for the pre-dangerous queen days um 
even for me, like I said, I was only, almost going for her as my dark horse because it's like I didn't expect her to be so fucking amazing in 1990. Um, but I don't know what the fuck I was thinking because, of course, she was. She's a Carrie Hope to. Um, and like you said, I think that she probably could have definitely been like. She definitely could have been my number one if she had gotten that GP win uh, and if she didn't get injured. But unfortunately, she didn't. So that makes her, you know, the, the honorable mention to the overall MVP who is I don't think there's any way of anybody else winning it unless you're insane but then second I think Kira Hokuto absolutely killed it this entire year Marine Wolves one of the most I, I say underrated all the time and they're not really underrated because anybody who's watched them has enjoyed them and loved them but I feel like it's again the the curse of 1990 in Joshi wrestling is that it was a you know um, buffer period where it's like most people don't watch it. They either watch the 80s until the the um, until Chigusa and Linus Asuka leave, or they watch you know uh, what is it Dream Rush in 1992 and onwards. So this sort of Dream Slam? No, Dream Rush. The All right. the oh, yeah. one where Kong went. Is that the right one? Oh yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, I I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, I think I'm right. Uh, I think you're wrong because I always think you're wrong. But, <laughs> but you know, they usually start with that, or they you know end with the crush gals leaving. So this is sort of a buffer period, and people don't really give it enough like uh, thinking time. I think is the best word to to say. And I think Marine Wolves really carried, maybe not carried the year because I think the world champion carried the year. But I think Marine Wolves really carried a a very big role in these you know maybe like 89 90 i think they really cared a big role and they were very very amazing at what they did and i think akira hokuto um again no offense to Tsukumanami, i feel like she doesn't get enough credit at all but i feel like akira hokuto was just a supernova waiting to explode um at this point and if not already fucking i don't know i i always catch myself up in like these like like metaphors and shit trying to be like all you know poetic she's just fucking amazing and i don't think i need to tell anybody that kirokta rules any more than you already know so yeah kirokta was amazing this year and our overall mvp i'm guessing it's the same for both of us because if it isn't then i don't understand you at all alex overall mvp of course the, the ruler of the world gokumanto matriarch bull fucking nakano because who else would win like come on she main evented the biggest show she did a fucking leg drop off the top of cage she got screwed by ghetto not that way please don't take it that way she got screwed over in a cage match in saitama by ghetto it, it great great wrestler great wrestler great year uh absolutely amazing loved everything she did basically um she really you know like we said in the beginning this was a bold nakano year like if you expected it to be anything different I don't know what the hell you're doing. Like, you know, she... This was her first year. Like, think about that. She was champion for 361 days of this year. That is insane. Unless there was a, it was a leap year. But still, you get what I mean. Like, that that is absurd that she held the belt for that long and also was a great wrestler and also had great stories and also had character progression and also was just fun to watch 99% of the time. Uh, I think that she ran away with it 100%. Um, well, 
I don't know if ran away with this good word, but yeah, she's great. Uh, Alex, you 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 do the talking, because I don't know. I'm I'm just <laughs> I'm starting to ramble. I think the monster's getting to me. <laughs> you are. Um. Yeah. No. Like Bull Nakano at nineteen ninety is at the peak of her powers. Like she's she's this monstrous presence that nobody else can really touch, and that that aura takes her matches above and beyond. And I mean, she herself is a very talented wrestler. You know, obviously her lariat is the stuff of gods. Um. And her power bombs are, you know, second only to Devil Masami. Uh, and like, she just, her star power carries the company in a lot of ways. But, you know, she's able to back that up in the ring. And I think there's few professional wrestlers who, you know, present themselves as bigger stars than she did because she just has this energy around her that, that you can't teach. You just have to have it. And she had it, especially in this year. Um, and like she knew exactly how much to sell and when to sell for people. Like she's a very intelligent professional wrestler as well. You know, she she made sure to make her opponents look good without making them look too good. And I think that's always an issue that a lot of big monsters have. But Bulnakana was always able to navigate that. And yeah, just you know the variety of wrestlers that she could work with, the variety of styles that she could do. There was a singles match or a tag match. She was always able to bring it. And I think is nobody else in 1990 who could touch the, the output that she had and, and maybe that'll change next year i'm not not too sure it depends on how many shows we watch and you know i think she does start to sell a lot more which changes her dynamic altogether but for what she is right now she is the best form of herself yeah i think you put it you put it best i'm very thankful to have you here when i just start rambling off into nonsense um, to put things into to <laughs> basic terms that everybody here can easily understand. Um, shout out Living Color and whoever said that quote originally. Because uh, <laughs> I... <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah, I, I think that pretty much wraps it up. But I do think that Volnikano, obvious best here. I think this was probably her best year just in wrestling. Um, it, it's up to interpretation, obviously, because if you are a big wwf fan uh you can say whatever year she's wwf champion um you could say oh that she was the best then or if you're a big 80s mark you're a big crush crush gals fan um you can say oh her and her and the atrocious alliance that's the best she's ever been but i think that this was pretty it's it's not a stretch to say this is probably the best year bonacano had as a wrestler um you know that that cage match obviously we only we only put in one uh best singles match but i'm pretty sure that cage match ranked number two because you know i i I keep you know ratings on all of the matches pretty sure the cage match with um aja kong at wrestlemania took number two so it's like even though she wasn't in any of our like best overall matches best tag matches whatever uh i think that she was up there she was consistent especially um she she She's just amazing. I think that everybody should pay their respects to the goat. Maybe not the goat, but one one of. See everybody in the conversation. Yeah, everybody everybody on this card is the goat. I can't call everybody <laughs> the greatest. Like that's not how this. But I think Bolnikano. It's just your thing. Yeah, though. I know. You know. Yeah, you say that about everyone. <laughs> that's true. Uh, big shout out Layla Hirsch. She's the goat. Uh, she's wrestling tonight. But that's the that's <laughs> on our discussion. Um. <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't know, she's just amazing, and everybody should pay their respects. Um, big shout-out to the Cult of Bonacano. 
go 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 like their tweets on the weekly required Bonacano because that's that's my plug, my fifth plug of the day. Uh, and my last plug, <laughs> probably, maybe, because I think I'm about to wrap things up. Do you have anything else to say? Any profound um, profound wisdom from the great and powerful Alex? Great and powerful. Um, look, this year was really fun to watch. Uh, if if you if you're listening and you've never watched a lot of these matches, please please do. Just it's such a fun year. It's it's great to see stars being built and people improving. And even just Bull herself is worth watching. Like, there's very few things in wrestling that are like watching peak Bull Nakano. She was just amazing. So yeah, please experience that for yourself. Yeah, I'm like, and and that's the thing is that uh, last night I was watching this, and I wasn't gonna watch the entire Stardom show. Um, but after I watched this, I was like, I want to watch more wrestling because I just it it makes you love wrestling. It makes you enjoy like even though the the classics episode wasn't the greatest night of AJW wrestling of the year. Far from it. Excuse me. It made me want to watch more wrestling because it was really, really good wrestling. And I think that is, you know, you, you can, you can call it, you know, like the, that engagement element of any media that it's like, Oh, it wants to keep you engaged. This is the best way to keep you engaged in wrestling. In my opinion, like it just, it makes you want to watch more. Um, and I think that's a testament to just how good Joshi Wrestling is um, all across the board. Uh, but I think that I've talked all of you guys' ears off. We've we've been going for a while. We've had multiple technical difficulties. I think I should quit while we're ahead. Uh, this is the last episode. I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> it's not. It's not like I was about to be like. Okay, I'm never seeing you guys again. Bye. No. Uh, we'll back. We'll be back next month with another classics episode. I think um, I don't know if I'll be able to find a January like full tape of like a TV episode or not, but it'll probably be a classic episode. I know that we will be watching Bonacano versus Akira Hokuto, uh, our two wrestlers of the year, our number one and number two. That'll be really, really fun. And I hope you guys all join us. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for doing whatever the fuck you do. Uh, remember to tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your uncle, tell your aunt. Tell your dog, tell your dog's neighbor, tell your neighbor's dog's neighbor, who is also your neighbor because it's a cul-de-sac. I don't know if you know about that, Alec. You, you know how it be. Uh, <laughs> the, tell, the, tell the person with the really nice fescue across the lawn and tell everybody that you fucking know that Victory Through Guts is the best in classic Joshi Wrestling Podcast. Ejo. Ejo.